0: Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Aaron Fraser. And
1: I'm Ed Bose. In this episode, we're joined by our good friend and board game enthusiast, Tori Dance, to learn about India's decolonization.
0: First up, GMT Games is Gandhi, the Decolonization of British India, 1917 1947, a board game that explores the Indian independence movement and has players assuming the roles of the various political groups involved.
1: Then, Rakesh Rang Ranga Basanti, a 2006 film starring Amar Khan as a present-day, quote-unquote, college student who starts to empathize with an Indian freedom fighter.
0: Before we begin, we would like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations, and Métis people. Yes,
1: we did it again. <laughs> we made it through the intro. <laughs> Hottest part of the whole episode, generally.
0: You derailed things to ask if I ate all your Stroopwafels. mm
1: and I still haven't heard a satisfactory response.
0: <laughs> I'm pretty sure I didn't. But also, if you bring waffles mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. like...
1: And then I, I leave for them. a week and I don't expect them to all it get It was eaten. kind of a sucker
2: move on your part. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I tried one when I was sick. They don't taste good when you're just getting over the stomach <laughs> flu. It was no. really unpleasant. All right. Yeah.
0: They were great when I had a cold. Oh, meal. yeah.
2: They were awesome before I was sick.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wasn't yeah. sick in any way, so I probably would have <laughs> liked them the best of anybody. <laughs>
0: Uh, we're really excited that we're joined here by our good friend, Tori Dance. Welcome, Tori. Thank you. Uh...
1: Long-time listener, first-time talker.
0: (laughs) Uh,
2: never-time listener, first-time talker. Happy to be here.
0: (laughs) Why are you here?
2: (laughs) It's an excellent question. I'm not entirely sure. Well, I do know.
0: Yeah, you know. Uh, so, you know a a thing or two about movies.
2: A thing or two, yeah. Uh,
0: we met in university, Mm -hmm. uh where we ended up taking a lot of film studies classes together. Although that's not how or why we met, but mm-hmm. it was a a pleasant byproduct of our friendship that Absolutely. we ended up in classes together.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but you never had to study any Bollywood, unlike Matt and I.
2: No, I, I did a media studies program, so I was able to kind of pick and choose what I took, uh, and Bollywood never ended up anywhere on my roster. So I have seen one Bollywood film, and it was because of the two of you. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: unsurprisingly.
0: Unsurprisingly. No, no, now you've seen two. Yeah, that's true. I'm up to two <laughs> now.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I think that probably makes me one of the least qualified people that's been on this podcast. Hmm,
1: interesting. <laughs> uh, to well, you're such a regular that. listener. You're aware of all the credentials
2: on our podcast. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're definitely in the, top, uh, in the bottom five, for sure.
0: <laughs> Excellent.
2: Distinguished colleagues, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, so what was
2: that film that you saw uh, we, you guys took me to see Gunday yeah. uh, out at uh, a theater in our city that is uh, not frequented very often by myself uh, and it was fun it was yeah. it was it was a fun movie and I it, it uh, I enjoyed the experience and I enjoyed it so much that I didn't see another Bollywood movie for
0: five, six years, something like that.
2: <laughs> so uh, it's been a while.
0: Your wife is seeing more. She's, she has. She has sat around and watched more romantic comedies with me over Girls' Night.
2: She's far more cultured than I am. That's true. Obviously. Yes. yes.
0: Obviously. Uh, yeah, we still love Day. That movie yeah. has a terrible reputation, but I still really enjoy it. We recommended it on our very first episode where we... Which
1: has now been downloaded... Like way more than we anticipated it would be.
0: Oh yeah, and it's embarrassing because I don't know how to pronounce anything. It's been
1: downloaded like 25,000 times and I feel like we should just redo it (laughs) and then just put it there and then never tell anybody that we made a good first episode. (laughs) What do you guys think? Let us know, listeners. The director's cut. Yeah, Yeah. it would be episode one, (laughs) redux.
0: It's embarrassing because I didn't understand a lot about the history of India at the time when we recorded that podcast. And so the... Bangladeshi liberation movement um, that happened in the 1970s that created the country that is Bangladesh when it goes from being East Pakistan to being Bangladesh, I think I just mistakenly referred to as Partition, which happened in 1947. And so listeners have since corrected me on that. Oh, yeah. It's coming. I understand the difference now Mm -hmm. um, and didn't mean to misunderstand the difference at the time, although... That is also part of the reason why it got downvoted Mm. so much to be like considered the worst movie on IMDb. So, yeah, there was like I added insult to injury there,
1: but no, it wasn't because of our podcast that that happened, it was just, yeah,
0: (laughs) no, I just added insult to injury, is all I'm saying.
1: Bangladeshi people didn't care for also the you know the corrupt military officers at the beginning abusing children, they didn't love that either, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. yeah. A couple of issues. That's a fun time.
2: movie. It was fun. I had a it. great
1: time. I had zero context as well,
2: and uh, still enjoyed it. And uh, it's um, Priyanka is is in it as well, yeah. right? That's mm-hmm. and I like I like her. Uh, so a global
0: superstar, the global
2: superstar, Mrs.
0: Nick, Jones. <laughs>
2: international grift <laughs> artist, as I recall. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh so God. Yes. I, I enjoyed the experience, um, and
0: uh, yeah, That's good. Yeah. That's good. Well, thanks um, for coming on. <laughs> yeah, no. you, but you are here because you know about board games. I do, yes. You are one of our closest friends uh, and one of our biggest board game experts. A real
1: game boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, like cards. can you
0: explain, when I say that you're a board game expert and yes. that you're a board game enthusiast, you're not playing like Monopoly every night.
2: No, no. Um, definitely correct. Uh, I think for, for your listeners who are... Uh, not familiar with the the board game boom that's happened over the past, I don't know, 20, 20 years, 30 yeah. years since yeah. uh, uh, Settlers of Catan really kind of hit the market. Um, games have really gone... Uh, far beyond the Monopolies and the the Parker Brothers, uh, I guess, games that most people would be familiar with the ones that they played in their, uh, in their childhood. So um, Sellers of Catan would be certainly be the, the, the first game for many, many board gamers who got into the heavier board game scene. Um, And uh, it's a a German game. I think probably most of your listeners are aware of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, since that kind of German board game movement has come over, Um, there's been a huge uh, boom of of all sorts of stuff. So, um, yeah, definitely not the monopolies, the Sorries, the troubles um, when we're talking. Not even
0: the trivial
2: pursuits? (laughs) Not even the trivial pursuits. One of my favorite
0: games. I
1: think it's pronounced Trivial's Pursuit. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Growing up, we just called it Triv. Oh,
1: of course. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, which we still have in our collection, despite the fact that I know it's not up to snuff with the rest of our board games.
1: Also, we only have Genus 1, so the 1982... Why would edition. you
0: get any other Genus? <laughs> yeah, good question. Yeah.
2: Go on. I, yeah, so so I, I, I've i been probably playing uh, these types of games for going on 10-ish years or so, 11, 12 maybe. Um, and uh, Matt and Aaron are, are two of the people that I play <laughs> games with the most. Um, and Matt is the, probably the person I play the, the heaviest board games with uh, on a regular basis. So um, in, uh, in the, the lingo of, of kind of hobby board games, that would be the, the heavyweight um, games that we're playing. And, and we certainly play a variety as well, uh, mm-hmm. light to mid-weight uh, as well. So uh, yeah, that's, that, those are my, uh, my, my bona fides or my bona fides or however you're supposed to pronounce that.
1: I think it's Fides. Is it Fides? Yeah. Okay.
2: You Bona Fides. Yeah. Uh, for why I'm here. Yeah.
0: And so Matt, you were really excited when you discovered that this game was out.
1: I saw news of it coming out and I thought, I like GMT games a lot. They've made my favorite board game of all time, which is called Twilight Struggle. And Tori and I have played probably 200 games of that. Yeah.
0: And that's about the Cold War, right? Yeah. So you play as like the red and the blue?
1: Yeah, essentially. Yeah, Yeah. the East and the West. Yeah. And uh, GMT focuses on historical war games. Um, But what this is part of is called the Counterinsurgency Series. (laughs) And what they attempt to do is model um, situations where revolutionaries were active in a country. So one of the players would be sort of the government... Other players would be, you know, helpers to the government, and then other players on top of that would be insurgents, mm-hmm. so revolutionaries, or in Gandhi's case, uh, nonviolent uh, resistors.
0: One of the things that I find really interesting about this game is, and I've talked about this in the podcast before, is that we didn't learn about the history of India in school,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: yeah. and it's insane to me because. Partition is the largest known human migration in history, and it was never touched upon when we were growing up.
1: Millions of people died.
0: Millions of people died, and it's had a huge impact on global politics today, Mm -hmm. and there's a huge, a a very large and vibrant South Asian population in Canada that this still affects. Even in Edmonton, yeah. Learning, we've learned about partition, Matt and I. We've learned about partition through movies. Another Rakesh Om Prakash Mara film, uh, *Bagh which I mm-hmm. saw before Ranga Basanti, was a film that really kind of opened my eyes and made me aware of the cost of partition, mm-hmm. the human cost of partition, and how it still affects people today. And so I, I think that's like a huge oversight in our education system that the history of South Asia is not touched upon enough mm-hmm. considering the impact that it has. And also what, how moment, momentous it was. India went from being one fifth of the world's population to being one sixth. Mm-hmm. And that's important. And that again, we continue to, to feel that.
1: Well, look at Kashmir right now being under martial law because of the Indian government. Why is that? Because it's a ge- uh, geographical flashpoint for the past 70-odd years, right?
0: Or when we went to see Hotel Mumbai, with my parents, um, and my mother was just, you know, she was shocked that she hadn't heard about the attacks in Mumbai, but also she didn't understand the background. Yeah. You know, which... Yeah. And, and it all goes back to partition and decolonization. We spend a lot of time studying World War II, um, which obviously... Um, There's a huge overlap between World War II and the decolonization of India, but Matt and I really had to learn about um, this major historical event, uh, which is in- incredibly complicated mm-hmm. um, through movies. And then we've read more about it since. We've watched documentaries. We spent time watching like a Great Courses Plus series on it, um, and this game... It shows
1: you the lead up to it. It doesn't actually show partition. But that's true. This sows the, but the lead up. The sows the seeds.
0: The lead up to it is also part of understanding it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. And so all that's the major found, players
1: involved, they're all there.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the things that I found really interesting about this game is immediately um, I was able to connect it to to stuff that we've seen in films, like like in mm-hmm. Rangoon. Yeah. Um, and that's, The
1: Indian National Army. Yeah. That's
0: a big part of what I find mm-hmm. interesting. So the value I see, and we're, we're about to talk about the game, but the value mm-hmm. I see in it is how, how do you get people nowadays mm-hmm. on the other side of the world to understand these massive events mm-hmm. and to engage with them? And a a board game is kind of a clever way. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. I certainly came at this not knowing a single thing about this time in history in in, in India. You'd heard of
1: Gandhi. I have
2: heard of Gandhi. I I can certainly say that. But, um, you know, the game that that Matt had mentioned earlier, Twilight Struggle, is about the Cold War, which is something we learn about in
1: our... High school, to possibly <laughs> dating to the fact that our um, uh, textbooks are from 1980. Yeah, like, or at least I'm they were when we it. were in school. But uh, this
0: so. is why the curriculum rewrite in Alberta was very important. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. for so, anyone that follows Alberta politics,
2: it's ugly these days. Uh, yes. So, so you know, that was a game that that I I can attach. Things too. I know those p- parts of history. I know the events that were kind of transpiring at that time. So I certainly am able to kind of wrap my head around the game that way when I was first learning it. But uh, this was something that, like, this might have been, this might as well have been a totally fictional intellectual property for all I was familiar with, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the the events that were occurring, the, the people that were, you know, the, the big players on the board, so to speak. Um, and it was, it was really an interesting way to try, mm-hmm. kind of wrap my head around some of these things. And to their credit, GMT does a really excellent job of providing context, their mm-hmm. instruction manuals, mm-hmm. their playbooks, they have a ton of supporting information, they have recommended reading material, they have a really um I think a really respectful approach to the the time and to the history. And I think they've done it in a way that people who are interested can go out and learn more, um which is I
1: think is a really incredible way to to do that. Mm-hmm. There's even an essay in the back on the principles of nonviolence. So that, you know, you would just get you you know that Gandhi's a pacifist or whatever. You yeah. might know him from the civilization games, <laughs> possibly. But like what I does non-violence actually say, mean? It, you find out in the book.
0: We all knew who Gandhi was. Yes. <laughs> so like yeah. Gandhi is mentioned in school, but yeah. we don't yeah. we don't spend a lot of time really understanding no. what was going on.
1: You might get a token reference, like um, you know, at the end of World War II, all of the colonies became yeah. their own yeah. countries. Yeah. But yeah. that's one line or to watch say. Watch
0: the Ben Kingsley film. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah.
1: But like that's one line to describe a thirty, you know, two hundred and thirty year process. Mm -hmm. Uh, becoming India again
0: so Matt do you want to set up the game for us in the way you would set up a film I have never listened to a board game podcast, so I have no idea how to review a board game on a podcast. But it can't be that different from reviewing. A podcast. Absolutely, <laughs> and, and
2: I think Matt and I can probably uh, make up for your uh, the, your your gap in knowledge there for the number of hours we've probably invested in listening to board game podcasts. <laughs> so, Matt, take it away.
1: Okay, so uh, the Gandhi Game is the ninth in the Coin series, and it's uh, one to four players. Uh, they would play either the British Raj, the Indian National Congress, that's Gandhi, the Muslim League, that's going to be Pakistan, or the revolutionaries, who are kind of an agglomeration of three or four groups. Yeah. And most importantly for our purposes today, they are the inspirations. The, those people are the inspirations for the film Rang De Basanti. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to that when we're comparing the game and the, and the film. So the game board shows the map of India circa 1917, with uh, provinces, princely states, Muslim states, and the five major cities: so, Karachi, Bombay, Madras, Delhi, and Calcutta. And these are all in the you know old 20th century spellings, right? Mm-hmm. And so, names. And obviously. names, yeah. So each player has a variety of pieces that represent their forces during this conflict. Come struggle, because, mm-hmm. like uh, like the name says, the nonviolent pieces don't actually fight each other. They show up. And they can get arrested. They can't get killed.
2: And something that's important to mention about this game that that people might not be familiar with is that all of these factions are asymmetrical. Mm -hmm. So no one is playing the exact same game as anyone else. People have different abilities. They have different things that they're doing that are affecting the board. They have different uh, goals that they are trying to accomplish through the game as well. So these factions all play dramatically different from each other, which is an interesting... Which makes it hard to teach.
0: Yeah. Very difficult. And they also need to to gain a different amount of victory points. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. Is and the, they
1: get them in completely different ways.
0: <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, I play a lot of board games. I do not consider myself like a board game newbie. newbie. This is probably the most complicated board game I've ever played.
2: Yeah. This but is probably...
0: It certainly gave me an insight into <laughs> what you guys are doing sometimes when you're like, no, this... This isn't a board game for you, and you guys—you don't say that condescendingly. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, and it's—it's it's, so it wasn't
1: a board game for your wife. <laughs> no, and well, and
0: well, and it's not a gender thing either. Goodness, it's just no. Like, she just didn't like. I—I I really like like Euro worker placement games.
1: Well, I, what I is it? What is? No, what's interesting about this is that I think it melds Euro and war games. Yeah. Okay, yeah. While the Raj and the revolutionaries are running around fighting each other. There's also quite a bit of you know sending out workers basically to develop sites to mm-hmm. build bases to you which know change I, positions on the board.
0: Which was how I was wrapping my head around it yeah. because yeah. like it's like I'm crazy good at Lords of Waterdeep,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, which is a worker placement game. Yeah. Uh, so like I even we've we've played it a few times.
1: You're also you're also <laughs> play uh, Brass, which I would say is. Maybe not quite as complicated, but it is a fairly complicated Euro game. Yeah. And you both have played that. Yep. Yeah,
2: yeah. I would say that this is probably one of the most complicated games I've played as well. And it's it's not even necessarily because of the mechanics and the rules. It is. There's certainly uh, uh, complex rules and there's a lot to kind of internalize. But it's uh, I think to truly play these games well and effectively, you do have to have a pretty solid understanding of what all of the factions Are doing And what all of them, not just what your own faction is trying to do, but also um, what the person across the table from you is trying Mm -hmm. to accomplish. Because a lot of what you're doing is kind of trying to claw victory away from them um, so that you can then get it next turn or in two turns time.
1: You want to be able to tell if they are close. Exactly. And if you don't understand what they're doing, then you're going to lose right away. Because you can't tell that someone's setting up for a, a blow.
0: Which was part of my... I want. I don't want to say problem, but part of the learning curve for me. Yeah. Um, and each time we played, I played the Muslim League,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I I'm a stubborn person where once I figure out how to play something, um, I only ever want to like like you madness. want to do the same thing. I want to do the same thing all yeah. the time. I'm 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 a repetitive person. I like knowing what I'm doing. And you... And I, I do like playing yeah. my own little game, but, like, I will always pick the color yellow. I am always yellow. Yeah. Uh, and so, I think... Except this
1: time you were green.
0: Yes. Um, Which, you know, is, like, yellow adjacent. It's close.
1: Huh. Yeah.
0: Um, but And so I would say, like, a disadvantage this game has for me, um, which is probably a good thing... No yellow. Is I think <laughs> if I were to play it again, and I'm sure we will, I need to play another faction. I yeah. need to play another group. Because always playing the same group and trying to like use the same strategy to win, which in a lot of other games works for me great. Yeah. Here doesn't work.
1: Well, I should probably let everyone know what all the teams want. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the British Raj has the most military force on the board, obviously. They're the mm-hmm. British Raj. They can bring in tons and tons of troops. They have English line troops as well as Indian sepoys. You have way more sepoys than you have English troops. Yeah. And they are essentially trying to Stay alive. Basically, they want to hold India for as long as possible by keeping the railways safe from strikes, um, putting down rebellions, putting down insurrection, and most importantly, keeping uh, the public opinion of them high. Mm -hmm.
2: I would also say that the, the British Raj faction plays the most like what you might think of a traditional war game.
1: Yeah. Um they as done little guys, AMT. they move around, they yeah. shoot people.
2: Yeah, very traditional. I think in terms of what most people would guess their game plays like, their game
1: plays like. Yeah. And the revolutionaries are the uh, faction that are also pretty prevalent in the coin series. Yeah. So the revolutionaries are able to flip their characters upside down to go underground. And what they are trying to do is so panic and unrest and discord in all the provinces. Where the Raj wants support in the provinces to be uh, active towards them, and the Muslim League and the Indian National Congress want opposition to the Raj, the revolutionaries want it to be in the middle. They want yeah. neutral support. They're nihilists. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they are essentially terrorists. They blow things up. They... Within
0: the terms of the game. Kill people.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Within <laughs> the terms of the game, the things yeah. that they would do would be considered terror. Because yeah. it's coming from a framework of, well, here's what the Viet Cong did, or here's what uh, Castro mm-hmm. did. It's that mm-hmm. faction of the the secret guys who are yeah. you know fighting against the men. Yeah. Uh, the Muslim League is interesting in that they are able to focus their attention primarily on the Muslim provinces, which are Balochistan, Stind, the Northwest Frontier, Jammu and Kashmir, West Bengal, East Bengal, and Assam. So they are trying to turn these states, which at the beginning of the game are still owned by the Raj, but the Raj is like kind of pulling away from them. They want them to become Muslim states to become their own country.
0: I felt pretty proud when I turned Punjab into a Muslim state.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> and in our last game, you actually won too.
0: Oh, I did. You just
1: lost. The, yeah. Tori had won by a higher margin of difficulty. Yes. Yeah. So you like, you were doing a really good job as a Muslim. League. Yeah. Thank you. And lastly, we have the Indian National Congress. So the Indian National Congress wants, uh, like the League, to have opposition to the Raj, but they are focused on all of India, whereas the Muslim League is focused mostly on the Muslim states.
0: Which is, I think, like if you're trying to figure out how to play this game, or you're new to war games, like I am. I think that's one of the reasons why the Muslim League is a bit easier because yeah. you're you're focused on less area.
1: Yeah, yeah. what the what the Congress uh, lacks in regional focus, they do uh, gain in having Gandhi, who is a basically big piece on the board. he's <laughs> the biggest piece on the board, and he's basically a superhero. He mm-hmm. can essentially fly to a province, start a protest, bring in new people, get like just get more congress um agitators going and he can kind of get rid of unrest he can get rid of muslim states he can do almost all the same stuff that the raj does but as himself
0: yeah Mm -hmm. we should also say that the game design is by bruce mansfield uh the series designer is vocal runke
1: who works for the cia so when you want to talk about (laughs) counterinsurgency like you know the CIA started a few insurgencies and also helped put down a lot of insurgencies so they're they're the experts in this
0: and i think you said this is the ninth game in the the coin series yeah,
1: yeah. so the the way that it that it
2: has basically been published is it's the coin series is a system so it's mm-hmm. a system of rules that that each version kind of tweaks and adjusts and changes in different ways to suit different um, periods in history. So um, the the previous uh, coin game that, that Matt and I have played uh, is called Cuba Libre mm. um, and it is the, uh, the, the Cuban revolution. And it, there's certainly, they share a lot of DNA. They share a lot of the similar mechanics. It's a lot easier learning one of them if you have played another one, um, but they they do play quite differently, um, mm-hmm. which means that they're very interesting. And, and uh, I think you know Cuba, Cuba Libre is is a very small confined board. It's
1: like it, six spaces and then like three cities. Right? Yeah, it
2: plays. Yeah, Cuba's very a
0: much smaller country. <laughs>
2: it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, comparatively, it plays very differently. Um, also,
1: you can airstrike people, which. I mean, if the Raj had had that, Gandhi's not going to last too long.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's that's what's different in this as well. Is is rather than um, you know killing the the opposition's forces uh, for the most part in this, you are arresting the mm. opposition's forces a, as the mm. British Raj, if that's who you're playing as, um, and you can get people out of jail and they go right back on the board as well. So um, the, the, there's some very interesting mechanics that are that are at play here. Um, and and I will say, worth mentioning, this this is a difficult game uh, to learn as mm-hmm. well, but. Um the the GMT publisher has done a really good job. They have a playbook, which is you know a, a totally separate book from the rule book that has a walkthrough, so you can actually it's set like 30 up. thirty pages long. Oh, it's wild! Yeah, I'm flipping through it. It's the the full playbook is 52 pages, but that does include context and designer notes and mm-hmm. historical notes and all that. But it has probably about a half of that is basically just you set up the board and then you read through, and it explains each. Each faction's move and does give you a really good sense of the game as well. So it is a good way to learn uh, and kind of ingest all of the the different rules and mechanics and what people are doing.
1: So we've got all our guys out on the board trying to start protests, starting to blow things up, you know, starting to arrest people. But how do you actually do it? Well, there's a deck of cards which has been carefully pre-built before you play. Um, It's separated into a certain amount of little stacks And each one of those, a campaign card, which represents a new Viceroy coming to India, is placed. But on each turn, what you do is you flip the top card and the second card, and then you put them out. Along the top of the cards is the symbols of each faction, and that's the order in which they get a look at the card. And on the card is an event that actually happened. In the playbook, you have a list of every single thing that happened, and um, many of them even come up in Runga too. These are... Famous historical events.
0: There's a Bagat Singh card.
1: Bagat Singh shows up quite a few times. Yeah. Um, but what happens is the first uh, icon on the list gets to look and say, okay, do I want to do this event? Does this sound good? Or do I want to do some of my regular moves? And then they have their turn. They do their moves. I don't know if we need to do all, explain all the moves, but there's various like operations that your team can do. And then the play moves to a second player. And then... After that, you go to the next card. The reason why they show two cards is that the event on the next card might be really good, or the player order might be really good, so you might want to pass on the first one and Mm -hmm. go to the second one. And that's how you play it, really. You try and get support out there, or take away support from the Raj. You try to be a Nihilist and just have as much unrest and rebel bases as possible, or you just try to hold on. Mm -hmm. And I think... That emotionally, this does put you in interesting footsteps. Uh, I played as all four factions, mm-hmm. and I would say that the revolutionaries is probably the most entertaining to play. It's yeah. the least stressful, yeah, because you're essentially just being a you know bad. You're doing bad things. You're you know blowing up people, things like that. But it's the it's the least amount of stakes. Whereas the nonviolent factions, I also really enjoy because they have. Um, the ability to just be people, they don't actually become active pieces until a protest starts. So the Raj can't really do anything to you, and neither can the revolutionaries. So you can actually build up support in secret and then go for a big protest and you know start a lot of problems for the government. One of the main uh, stress points between the, the League and the Congress, who play together, they work together, but they're at cross purposes. There's only so many um, places that could be protesting at at one time. And obviously the Muslim League is going to want them up in the north, whereas Congress will want them all over the place. Um, And the Raj, the Raj, uh, I played the government faction in both this and Cuba Libre, and it's kind of fun to have as many resources as you want, and to bring the clamp down on whatever you like. But you do know that you're on the wrong side of history, and you probably... (laughs) You know, shouldn't be relishing in this. And the big
0: question is when do I arrest Gandhi, right? Yeah, when do you arrest Gandhi? (laughs) Because as soon
1: as you arrest Gandhi, uh, things get very uh, chaotic in India. More protests happen, and the sort of uh, level of yeah, chaos goes.
2: And off. that's that's reflected in one of the mechanics is is the unrest and the um, restraint. The, the restraint. So these are two the unity and restraint. Pardon me, unity and restraint. Um, so these reflect um, the relationship between the Muslim League and the Con- and the Congress. So mm-hmm. that's the uh, unity, and then restraint is basically um, the, the the British Raj kind of control of, of the situation.
1: Whether they're gonna take the gloves off and start really going out there or whether they're like relatively peaceful
2: yeah so um you know when when the 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 restraint comes down for the british raj it becomes easier and cheaper uh to do things on the board and and to move people around and to unra- to arrest people um so the game kind of in a, in a certain way um kind of shifts in their favor Um, as restraint goes down. Um, And then with the Muslim League and the Congress, as they have a greater degree of unity, they're able to do more. They are able to carry out more actions, uh, and they're able to um, basically kind of cooperate a, a, a bit more. But various things that all of these factions are doing as the game continues... Mm -hmm. moves these kind of these scales up and down. So you can end up in a crisis where unity and restraint are both at one and then kind of gloves are off
1: for everybody. Yeah. The unity in real life, uh, the Muslim league decided not to join the quit India movement, which was the last big nonviolent action that Gandhi did Mm -hmm. in exchange for, you know, moving towards partition. They, they saw what the writing on the wall was and thought, okay, we can throw our chips in with the British and you know, Maybe if we don't support Ghani on this one, we can get our states afterwards. So there's there's a historical precedent for all of this. Uh, I should note, though, that I'm not uh, advocating for any one faction in this. I know <laughs> yes, our, no. our, our listeners are very multicultural and will have opinions on the historical events here. So this is all being done in the spirit of entertainment and learning. Mm-hmm. And
2: there's a rich history of... Uh, uh, of this in in war gaming right if you're mm-hmm. if you're going you know the a lot of the games that people have played Axis and allies um, put you in, you know, put one of the players or several of the players in a, a questionable position mm-hmm. uh, historically speaking. So uh, this does come from a, a rich history uh, of board gaming and, and war gaming and, and certainly there's there's questions to be asked of that and, and um, you know, positions to be examined.
0: But it helps you understand the different perspectives regardless of Absolutely. whether or not you agree with them.
1: I could see that would be difficult yeah. to be the Raj, <laughs> but I don't think that they they were in the right mm-hmm. but you can get a sense of how stressful it was to try and keep a lid on the situation meanwhile for all the other factions you want to be free
0: well yeah and also the way that you know kind of while you play the game the muslim league and the indian congress the Indian National congress at a certain point they're allies uh-huh. but they're not allies and so you know if you have the opportunity to achieve your goal you're not going to help the other yeah, <laughs> the other group achieve their goal you will help them if it serves your own self-interest yeah
1: but you don't want to get split up too much because then the raj can divide and conquer which is what exactly where that term comes from is finding groups in a in a colonized place and then dividing them up british did it all the time look up rwanda yeah look up here look up everywhere they always did it
0: exactly i was really impressed with the game um it was really complicated i still don't know if i entirely understand how to play it but the way in which it was trying to replicate this moment in history and have you be in the in the shoes of these different groups, I thought was really interesting, and I really appreciated how all the cards had real yeah. historical events, um, because things came up that I recognized, and then things came up that I didn't recognize, and it, it makes you aware of um, your own limited understanding of this point in history, but also it helps you understand this point in history and it helps you learn about this point in history.
1: I guess another thing I should mention about the cards is that they're not happening in chronological order. No. You'll have stuff that happened in 1917 then something in 1942.
0: And the stories aren't in order either. No. Because I remember Mountbatten coming up and it... Like, it was not near the end of the game. Yeah. And he was the last of us, right? Yeah.
1: Twilight Struggle has three decks for um, early, mid, and late Cold War. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gandhi does not do that. No. And I think it's because to a lot of the uh, GMT audience in the West, the events of what happened in India are probably not as prevalent as what happened in the Cold War. Yeah. Yeah. So, for instance, uh, if you know, Nazi scientists join Soviet space program, no, join American space program in like 1970, that would feel really weird. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of wonder when you look at the numbers of the cards, why they were numbered that way. I, I didn't really see in the rules why that was done, but it's probably for balance issues. And really when it comes down to it, it doesn't really matter.
0: And you felt like there wasn't a lot addressing World War II, which obviously no. overlaps with this time period. But then when you were looking through, there are cards that talk about, like, Japan and, and the links between India and Japan.
1: Well, essentially, if we're taking the revolutionaries between the Indian National Army,
0: yeah. I mean, they
1: would have been fighting the British Army in Burma yeah. for a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there was invasion of India. Mm-hmm. So it, there's no, like you know, three-quarters-of-the-way point where Japan shows up, but there's three or four cards that do replicate conditions that might have come up over Mm -hmm. that time, like... um,
0: Because we see things like that in films like um, Byamkash Bakshi, you know, like...
1: Yeah, Detective Byamkash Bakshi, Rangoon. Yeah, also in Rangoon, yeah. yeah. Uh, But, um, so one card would be like, oh, a bunch of British soldiers just leave the board. It's because they're going to go fight in, you know, another theater of the war. So I I think it's a good idea to... um, abstract that because adding like a fifth faction or something like that later on would be way too complicated
0: yeah the fact that world war ii is going on um in history during like a huge chunk of this is it's complicated It's also it's hard to how do you how do you fit that in there without it becoming a game about world war ii
1: and it ties into the way that we didn't learn any of this we did learn about world war ii but you might have heard yeah it, um, you know Indian soldiers fought in World War One and World War Two, but that's it yeah. mm-hmm. you might have seen a picture of something and even that gets whitewashed over these days yeah. mm-hmm. so you don't want it to take over yeah yeah
2: and and to the point of, of not seeing cards, you know, when you're setting up this game, you you're not using every single of card that it comes with. Mm-hmm. You potentially depending on whether you're playing the long version or the short version, um, short being relative. I think every short game of this we played was still four four and a half, half hours. hours. Yeah, um, I would say
1: the long version's like six seven. Yeah,
2: you're 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 taking a, a portion of the cards out of the deck, so there is. Um, a lot of variety in what you're seeing, but you're also not seeing the exact same things happen every game, mm-hmm. and you're not seeing the same events come up in the mm-hmm. same order. So um, there is there is certainly um, a, a bit of kind of replayability built in that way yeah. on top of this game just being so complex that you're going to have a, a wildly different experience every single time you play it.
0: Yeah, because whoever is playing the different groups, whatever group you're playing, yep. it's always going to be different. Okay. Which um, is hard for me so I like to know my strategy guys this is why I'm so good at Lords of Waterdeep I just know how to like
2: that one strategy that does it <laughs> and I will never explain you're, also, to you. you're also very
1: good at viticulture
0: Oh, um, why am I good at Viticulture? <laughs> I don't like Viticulture, but for some odd reason, every time I've played it, I've annihilated everyone. I don't want to talk a big game. There's games i am bad at as well. I just don't care about those games.
1: I should also say that uh, not seeing every card it does kind of um, save this from something that comes up in Twilight Struggle, where there's so some cards in that game that are so powerful and so important that you do kind of just need to remember them. Yeah. Like yeah. de-Stalinization or <laughs> uh, a couple other ones that, like, they're going to come up yeah. and they're game breaking if you don't remember to set up a bulwark against it. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is a game that that you can really get into with if you were to get, you know, three of your friends together, you could play this game for months if mm-hmm. not years and really just kind of fully understand and internalize and get some really intense games of this going on. I, um, But the nice thing about this is you can also play anywhere from one to four players as well. So you yeah. uh, can talk about, you know, you can play that solo version, which Matt did, but you can do two players um, where each person plays two of the different, two factions. You can play three players and have one, uh, one of them controlled by essentially a deck of cards, mm-hmm. um, or you can play four. And, and Matt and I played uh, two and four, and then he played a solo game, so...
1: Yeah, the solo game, I thought that the AI was quite sophisticated. Um, Basically, it's a set of cards where you shuffle them all up, and then you look at each card. So if it's the Muslim League's turn, you um, slowly move through the deck until you find the first Muslim League card. Then you see, like, okay, is there six activists on the board? And if, if so, do this. If not, move to next card. It kind of uses a Boolean logic system to figure out the optimal moves, which was interesting for me because it actually made me better at the game because I saw what the computer would do. I will say,
0: but who stops you from cheating?
1: Well, I mean, just being a good person. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I will say that some, your
0: own enjoyment. If yes, you, if you cheated, you wouldn't. Enjoy
1: you're it. just cheating yes. yourself in that exactly. case. Exactly. Um, I will say that uh, the. The rules for the Raj, especially for sweeping and assaulting, i.e. moving guys around the board and then attacking slash um, putting in jail people, they are very, very, very complicated for the um, non-player version. So when that came up, when I was playing the Muslim League, when I was playing uh, one player, but when it came up, I essentially just put myself in the mindset of the uh, Raj because they could be moving like 40, 50 pieces in one of those if they've got the money and they've got the guys, they can move them all around the place to try and set it up. So I, I just thought, like, what would be the best move for them? It might have been making it a bit more difficult for myself, but I think I was pretty close to the chart of where it goes. And I think it works better than uh, the only other AI I've played with a lot is uh, Scythe, which has a weird sort of heat map thing, like where you pointed a, a hex and it says, like, okay, this one has bordering this, has this here, this here... The AI is going to go there because that's the best move. Abstracting that into a card system, I think, is much better.
2: I, I will say, I'm personally, I'm not a huge fan of solo game experiences, other than using them to teach myself the game. Mm. So um, there, the, There's a publisher uh, that does Scythe, the game that Matt mentioned earlier, um, that that every Stone single Meyer. game, Stonemeyer, um, every single game they bring out for the most part, I think every game, because they just released it for another one called Euphoria as part of an expansion, um, comes with what they call the uh, Atoma Faction. So it is a solo computerized, kind of in quotation marks, faction that you can play solo and teach yourself. Really great way to learn the game, understand what Everyone's trying to do, um, and and kind of te- then you can teach people a little bit more effectively. I think the the it sounds like the Gandhi version of that is very
1: good for that as well. Well, um, it's it with the scythe automa, it's that one. I've just bought an app to do it. Yeah, and because there's not as many pieces on the board, you could program it all in there and it'll do it for you. This would be so complicated to have a yeah. computerized version that. The autumn which is named Arjuna, is uh, much better, actually, just because the board state is actually pretty clear a lot of the time. It could be an event that swings it your way, but you can see how many act- uh, activists are out, how many bases they've made, all that kind of stuff. That's pretty straightforward. With Scythe, since it's an economic game, you have to figure out what that machine would buy, what it would be working towards, and that's really complicated. No. No. The, the stakes of this game, while, you know... Actually fairly simple, I'd yeah. say. What, yeah. what each faction wants is simple to explain, hard to get, yeah. but that's easier to replicate. Yeah. And
2: and I will say the 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 Arjuna system here in Gandhi is is new for the coin system. Yeah. Um, if you're looking at any of the previous versions of, of the coin games, they have basically a series of flow charts, um, which is... Uh, different uh, can't can't speak to how the two of them compare, um, but it is a nice way to be able to kind of understand the, the the game and the system and the history too. If you want to play this solo, it's it's a good option.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I think I can start to sum this up mm-hmm. by saying that this is a very complicated game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Unfortunately, this should you, not be your first game. No, no. And if you and unfortunately, if you wanted to teach, say, like your young children. Mm-hmm about decolonization, this is maybe too sophisticated for them. I'd
1: say teen and up, like yeah. 16, 17, probably. Yeah,
0: your adult and older teenage children, probably. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is not maybe a game that you're going to pull out and play with the whole family. Goodness, no. Um, but it's really impressive. Not unless your mom's
1: really hardcore, maybe she'd get into it.
0: <laughs> it's, it's really impressive, and if you commit to... To, to learning the game and and trying to understand all the different mechanics is very satisfying.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh Yeah, I, I thought this was a, a really great experience. Um, I think, personally, I think uh, Cuba Libre just barely edges it out for me. Um, That's
0: like your favorite game ever, right?
2: <laughs> it's it's really good. I, I really like Cuba Libre. It's my favorite in the coin system that I've played. Um, Twilight Struggle, I think, is, is still one of my favorite games ever. I would also put 1960 Making of a President up there as well, which is another GMT-published game. It's been across a couple different publishers, um, but that one is about um, the 1960 election um, in which uh, Richard Nixon was... Um, uh, was oh my goodness, it's Kennedy, Kennedy right? Yeah. yeah, it's Kennedy, of course. Um, so it's you're you're essentially trying to get votes in the electoral college, and that's how this
1: this game operates. So I think that's probably similar support system across totally. the states as the provinces. Just tug of war between you know red and blue in that one. Yeah.
2: So I think in terms of GMT games, um, 1960 and Twilight Struggle are still at the very top. Cuba Libre is just just under that. I think it's a really really wonderful game. Um, And then I would put this just barely under. I think they've done some really, really cool stuff. I think the non-violent factions are um, such an interesting approach to wargaming. I think they really bring a different experience and they really kind of change the whole uh, tenor of the game. So I think that's really, really cool. And they're working Um, them
1: into some future ones too.
2: Yeah, so I think I'm curious and I'm excited to see where that goes as well to see kind of how these continue to evolve because that is kind of how these coin games work is they all kind of iterate on each other and and kind of pull things that previous ones have done and so there's really cool stuff so I really really love this Cuba Libre just slightly edges it out for me. I think Cuba Libre if you really want to learn the coin system and you're not so attached to History or location. I think Cuba Libre is the one that I would recommend because it's... You can it's, play it in two hours? You can play It's a shorter play. The map is a lot smaller. It's a little bit easier to grasp how kind of each of the factions interacts with each other and how um, to kind of get to your end goal. Um, but overall, I think this is a really, really excellent game and I'm looking forward to playing more games of it too.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I really like Gandhi. Um, I was kind of
0: good
1: <laughs> the game and the person <laughs> yeah he was great uh, his game was also very good um, I think uh, being drawn to the history of this that I've learned through movies um, mm. you know it was like Aaron with uh, bog Milka bog and you know seeing partition there wanting to learn more this has inspired me to learn more mm-hmm. and you know since since uh, we've seen Rang Basanti and lots of other movies with partition I feel like I know
0: and and a bit the more India Independence movement, in general, yeah.
1: And, you know, a few movies about uh, the foundation of Pakistan, that kind of thing. Um, I feel like, you know, this history I was more familiar with and potentially more interested in than some other historical games like uh, Cuba Libre. I mean, I I knew a little bit about Cuba, but I know a lot more about this. Mm -hmm. And it's really fascinating to put yourself in the shoes of those leaders to think, well, would I make those decisions? Um, You know, luckily this doesn't have the Raj many, you know, massacres and things they pulled Mm -hmm. off, those are events rather than your decision. So I I wouldn't want to make that decision. But as an event, you can, you know, learn from it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I really like like Gandhi. Um, I would be curious to see a four-player non-violent game kind of playing off this, maybe um, working towards an election or... You know, this is the Euro game player. I mean, I usually play Euros, but I, I do like games that are not violent and are building things, and mm-hmm. that's what these two factions do. Yeah. So I'd be curious to see them work on something that is entirely non-violent. It probably wouldn't be a coin game anymore because there is no insurrection, yeah. <laughs> uh, insurgency. Sorry, uh, but um, I think that that is fascinating, and yeah, an amazing way of replicating. The principles of nonviolence and also useful for people trying to start their own nonviolence struggles against tyrannical yeah. governments. You know, this is a good place to learn. Yeah.
0: Well we want to thank GMT Games for sending us a copy of this game for us to play it and review it. And that brings us to Interval. What are we listening to, Matt?
1: We are listening to the theme song from Rang De Basanti
0: Yes, the title song. Yeah.
1: And we'll see Enjoy. you after the break.
0: This episode of Bollywood is for lovers is brought to you by Tell us World of Science Edmonton home of the Canadian debut of Marvel Universe of Superheroes. The exhibition runs till February 17th in Edmonton and features more than 300 artifacts, costumes, props, and interactive elements to bring the Marvel Universe to life. Travel through the mysterious mirror dimension of Doctor Strange, digitally transform into Iron Man, and pose for selfies with Black Panther, Spider-Man, and other iconic Marvel characters. You can learn the story of Marvel and its influence on visual culture, as well as see rare hand-drawn images of iconic superheroes such as Spider-Man, Black Panther, and Captain America. Buy your tickets today at TELUSWorldofScienceedmonton.ca. Again, that's tellusworldofscienceedmonton.ca. If you're coming from outside of Edmonton, there's a hotel deal on the website. This is the only place in Canada right now where you can see this exhibition.
1: On the latest episode of the Well Endowed podcast... Chris chang Phillips takes us on a special tour of the historic Garneau Theatre. Then we get into the spirit of giving with two donor stories. We hear from Diana Bacon about the Bacon Family Fund, and from Gary and Scott Kwasneka about the Financial Services Group Community Trust Fund. For more information on the Well Endowed Podcast and the Edmonton Community Foundation, check out thewellendowedpodcast.com. So that was Ron
0: DeBasanti from... Ram Dupasanti oh, yeah. which means paint it to saffron
1: makes sense and
0: Tori and I just had a drink with some saffron mm. shit it was very nice yeah, so it's, it's very thematic yeah. uh, so Ram Dupasanti came out in 2006 it was directed by Rakesh Om Prakash Mera and it has one hell of a cast yeah <laughs> so it stars Amir Khan Siddharth Narayan Atul Kalkarani Kunal Kapoor Soha Ali Khan Sharman Joshi, Alice Patton, Armadavan, Wahida Raman, Anupam Kher, Kieran Kher, and Om Puri. Yeah, you just
1: left those, snuck those last three in, huh?
0: Snuck, snuck the last three? What do you mean?
1: Those three, you know, fantastically famous stars are kind of in there for sort of bit roles. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, like Wahida Raman, Anupam Kher, Kieran Kher, and Om Puri, um, who are all um, esteemed actors of, um, of an older generation. Yeah. Uh, 70s, 80s, 90s have kind of smaller roles, yeah. um, but they they bring a lot of weight and a lot of gravitas. Partly because um, you know audiences, really with Bollywood, unlike Tori, mm-hmm. um, would you know have seen them in 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 so many other films, especially someone like Wahida Rahman who's been in films, you know, like, since the 50s.
1: There's also an international, well, not international, but different uh, film uh, language flavor, too, with Armadavan showing up.
0: Yeah, Armadavan is more of a Tamil actor, um, especially at this time. Siddharth Narayan is from the Telugu industry, so it's really, like, bringing different generations of actors as well as actors from across regional cinema in India together. I mean,
1: this has to be why they thought it was the Oscar play, right? It's, like, all-star cast, different languages... You know you're kind of yeah you're kind of you know filling all the boxes
0: yeah we'll get to that and at one point they did consider simultaneously filming this in English and Hindi hmm. so you know it was
1: I mean they halfway did and there's a lot of English in this one yeah huh?
0: so so Mara started with wanting to make a film about the armed revolution set between 1919 and 1931 um, it was called Ahuti or The Young Guns of India which I really liked because I'm a big fan of the 90s film Young Guns
1: <laughs> a similar cast uh, of heroes in that show Kiefer Sutherland Emilio Estegas Charlie Sheen great movie
0: yeah. uh, Diamond Lou Phillips bit Google more Potter. of a
1: laugh riot
0: <laughs> yeah um, but he realized that people wouldn't be able to relate to it partly because some other films about Bhagat Singh <laughs> had come out and they hadn't done it was an
1: Ajay Devgan one right? Maybe I, I think forgot. so. I don't remember. Yeah.
0: Um, but they hadn't done really well and you know, Mara had said it, it's not because those are bad films, but because it doesn't reflect the times, it doesn't reflect the sentiment of the days. And so through the production process and the writing process, he tried to find a way to to bridge that. Uh, and that's how we end up with this very unique film, uh, Rang de Basanti. It also depicts the uh, MiG twenty one kind of aircraft controversy, yeah. uh, And this is a aircraft that a lot of pilots died while piloting, obviously.
1: They're old Soviet planes that the Indian government buys off yeah. Russia, and you know they're probably twenty years out of date by now. So it's no wonder they're falling apart. Uh, they're hard to get parts so for too.
0: Because this is depicted in the film, and becomes kind of a an important plot point mm-hmm. throughout the film. Uh, the censor board wanted the filmmakers to show it to the defense ministry and have it kind of approved by them. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, they asked for no cuts, though they did add to the names uh, in the acknowledgements of pilots who had died.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, this is interesting in that um, it's not like an American movie where the Department of Defense is like bankrolling things, right? Mm-hmm. No, it's
2: not Top Gun.
1: It's no. not Top Gun. <laughs> yeah. It's not Top Gun. It's not um, you know Angels Fallen. All these super jingoistic American movies where, you know, the American army is infallible. Mm -hmm. They're the only ones who could save us from aliens or, you know, terrorists or whatever. Mm -hmm. This... You could tell that the plane stuff is primarily CGI, which is not out of the ordinary for Indian movies. Usually they are using CGI for that stuff.
0: Well, also, and how else are you going to...
1: Well, I mean, in American movies, if you're Michael Bay, you just get the Air Force to fly planes around. Fair enough. But, like, it's interesting that... You
0: get Tom Cruise to pilot them.
1: It's interesting that, um, you know, the, the Indian defense kind of acknowledges that, yeah, it's a problem. Because mm-hmm. that happens here, too. With the Sea Kings in Canada, those helicopters are falling apart all the time because mm-hmm. they're old as hell. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate that, you know, you can't support everything all the time. And in Canada, for the most part, the army takes the back seat. But in India, that that's probably more of like a national travesty, really given how popular and important the Army is,
0: mm-hmm. and the Air
1: Force, for that matter.
0: So, Coca- in the marketing for this film, Coca-Cola released special edition bottles.
2: <laughs> That's wild to me.
0: I guess it was the first time they have done this for a Bollywood film. Uh, and also, there was a mobile video game released. Do we know uh, what the, the game was? No, but it was inspired oh. by the plot of the film. Okay. My guess is a
1: tower defense game where they're holding people off at the radio station. <laughs>
0: Uh, it came out on Republic Day, so a very kind of like patriotic day in mm-hmm. January. Um, right. And it broke box Office Records in India and went on to be a critical and commercial hit. It was nominated for 21 Filmfare Awards.
1: I think that's the most I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, I will say some of those are double. So like, it was nominated for Best Supporting Actress twice and, mm. and a few like that. Um, but Not for still, the white girl, is it? Uh, no, okay. it was for Soha Alihan and Kiran Kerr.
1: She's kind of a not an amazing part of the movie. No. To me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say, as far as the, the white actors in this film, better than other movies.
1: Much better than a lot of movies. Like, they're not Norwegians or something. Yeah. They're at least English people. <laughs> but, yeah,
0: she's from Britain. Like,
1: she, you could have done a bit better than her.
0: <laughs> uh, so, it ended up winning six awards, including Best Film and Best Director, Critic's Choice, Best Actor... Uh, best music director for A.R. Ramen.
1: Oh, I've heard that name before. Yeah. <laughs> Even um, I've heard that name before. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, your wife loves... Uh, oh, shoot. What's Jai, Ho. The, Jai Ho. Jai <laughs> Ho. Your wife <laughs> loves Jai Ho.
2: She loves the, the Pussycat Dolls uh, cover of Jai Ho, yes. But
0: that's in collaboration with A.R. Ramen. It's true. It's I, true. I, I, I am still kicking myself that we did not... Get them to play that song at your wedding. They also
2: pronounce it J-Ho. <laughs> like it's like he's singing J Ho, but what's yeah. her face is still
1: singing J Ho. Nicole... Nicole Scherzing? Yeah, Scherzing. explain that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe, also... she, maybe she's too familiar with the works of uh, No, it's J Courtney shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if there's a J spelled that way, but like she was just conflating the two. Who knows?
0: Anyways, we did not get them to play that at your wedding you <laughs> A lot of regrets there. Absolutely. But I did get them Me to too. play the Raccoon's theme song. And if you're Canadian. Mm, that's and we good did Turn Act
1: to an Tune, too. So yeah, that was, that was good. Yeah.
0: Uh, it also won Best Editing and Best Cinematography. It won four National Film Awards, including, Tori, this is the greatest award of all time. Oh,
1: uh, is it the one I'm thinking of?
0: Yeah, the yes. Best Popular Film Providing Wholesome Entertainment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is the equivalent? You know when the Oscars wanted to add that popular from? Yeah, word? yeah, yeah. That's what that is. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah Movies so you can show it. your grandma. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Everyone will like it. Yeah. yeah. Although, I mean, admittedly, this one has a real bummer ending. <laughs> it sure does.
0: Uh, and it was nominated for best film not in English at the BAFTAs. Yeah. Uh, it was the submission, uh, India's submission to the Oscars and the Golden Globes. And interestingly, there was a controversy. Uh, or, I don't know, maybe controversy is a hard word. There was a lot of discussion when it didn't get nominated that maybe India should have submitted Omkara instead. Uh, Omkara is...
1: Omkara a, is a fantastic movie.
0: One of mine, and that's mm-hmm. my amounts also my favorite Bollywood films. It's
1: the best Shakespeare adaptation I've ever seen.
0: It's an adaptation of Othello, mm-hmm. um, which I, I often show people Ramleela. Uh, which is a film I've showed your wife, yep. Maureen. We should name her. <laughs> she has a name. She does. <laughs> She's one of my closest friends. Uh, but if I, you don't want
1: to be in here, Maureen, <laughs> I'll put a, a, a bleep noise throughout. There's only been three so far.
0: Uh, so I, I've shown her Ramleela because Ramleela is an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. And I do agree with the idea that to get Western audiences to kind of maybe understand Bollywood or kind of break down the defenses of like, well, this is different and how serious should I take that? I'm putting this all in air quotes, like how mm-hmm. serious should I take this? Because I think there is kind of um, a bias towards Western styles of filmmaking. Yes. I do think one of the ways to break that down is to show them some of the amazing adaptations of Shakespeare that Bollywood has made. And Omkara is one of the best ones.
1: Well, it helps because then you know the story and you can... You could get who all the players are. Like, having something familiar like that helps.
0: Yeah. I actually forgot to look up what ended up winning. Um, but who knows? If they had if they had submitted Omkara, would it have gotten a nomination?
1: Who knows? Should I pause so you could check?
0: I'm looking up who won. If
1: it's a Shakespeare adaptation that would be especially galling. <laughs> oh,
0: it went to the lives of others. Mm. Uh, so the lives of others... Ended up winning. That was also the year of Pan's Labyrinth, mm-hmm. and interestingly, that does water. Good year. Uh, so a Hindi film was nominated, huh. um, but it was but just, from Canada. Yes, nominated on behalf of Canada.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, who knows? Who knows if if Omkara had been submitted? I,
1: I will that say that no Omkara, nomination. for being a Othello adaptation, I think the um, difficulty curve on getting that one is a little high. Like. It throws you exactly in medias res. I don't even think it tells you anyone's name for the first half an hour. You can get if you know Othello what's going on, yeah. but like it, it's it's a fairly complex movie to you know jump into.
0: And Bardwaj does kind of use uh, like socio political
1: background There's of India of, in, yeah. in
0: his adaptations of Shakespeare. Yeah. They're not like.
1: It's not a one-to-one. Yeah, it's not. Yes, yeah, there's cast stuff. There's uh, politics of certain regions. Yeah. Like, it's not as easy as the, I think you're making it sound.
0: But certainly some of the best performances from actors like Saif Ali Khan and Ajay Devghan and Karina Kapoor Khan. Like, yeah. Oh, such a good movie.
1: Bips is in there, too.
0: Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. but Basu. Okay. It had a significant societal impact. And a lot of our listeners have asked us to cover this film, so... We
1: actually watched it like three or four years ago, and it was fun to go back and watch it
0: again. Yeah, I think we watched it before we even started the podcast.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: It was one of the films we watched um, when we were researching the podcast, and we've never reviewed on the show. Um, And, you know, always... We've always had plans to, and now seemed like the perfect time, because when we were trying to figure out what film to pair with this board game... We looked at films that were set during the time period that were kind of trying to dramatize the events um, that we see in the board game.
1: The Legend of Bhagat Singh, for instance, or Rangoon, or uh, 1947 Earth, I think it's called.
0: Yeah, or even Vist Rice House, which is not technically a Bollywood film. Yeah. Uh, but also has Ampuri. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we ended up coming back to Rang de Basanti because Rang de Basanti does something that I think the game is trying to do where it tries to bridge a gap between our contemporary lives and understanding what people were going through at the time. It tries to encourage you to empathize.
1: It does that for the characters. With these historical events. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. The characters themselves are fairly blasé about the history but as they learn about it, they think, well, maybe I should get more active.
0: Yeah. And it was our friend Rashmeet Dillon who, when we were kind of telling her about this episode where she was like, you guys have to do Ryan of a was like, well, you know, listeners have been asking us to do it. So we've been you trying to. You
1: Rashmeet. I know you're starting from the old ones. So in like a year or so, you're going you're to notice <laughs> that we, uh, we give you a shout out. So here but it is. Here it is. Let me know when you hear this.
0: You know, we've been trying to, we've been thinking about featuring in an episode. And so it, it kind of, the two things just came together very naturally for us. Um so the film itself is about a <laughs> about a college student. Yeah.
1: <laughs> DJ, I think. Yeah. Well, DJ.
0: before we get to that, um <laughs> it's about a young British woman who a documentarian who is researching uh the decolonization of India by reading her grandfather's journals about the time that he was in India working for the British Raj okay. and like Putting in prison revolutionaries, doing horrible
1: stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, and torturing revolutionaries. Can you confirm this to me? I do not remember the first time we watched it, which I believe was on a DVD. I don't think we. Streamed no, it was it. on Netflix. Okay, but were by his... the way, the
0: film's on Netflix. Yes,
1: were his parts dubbed over like they are this time? Yes, I thought they were straight English last time.
0: No, it was okay. always like
1: that. Interesting.
0: Because um, so, they're
2: spoken in English yeah, he, and then dubbed over top yeah. in Hindi, yeah, it's a little we bit. Dis- still
1: get the English. It's a little bit disorienting, actually. Yeah, yeah
0: I is. don't know if when it was released internationally, if they kept that. Uh, yeah, it's
1: a weird stylistic choice.
0: Yeah. Uh, so yes, yeah, so this young blonde British <laughs> documentarian, played exactly by the Alice hero Patton. we need
1: for this thing. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Uh, Goes to India to make a documentary about revolution, about revolution, the revolutionaries that her grandfather had interactions with. And she's kind of making, like, they say documentary, but it's really like a docudrama.
1: Yeah. So she Which goes... Which is what R- Rakesh and Prakash Mara was doing. Yes. Until he changed his mind and made it into a kind of a meta thing.
0: Exactly. Uh, and so she goes uh, to New Delhi, and she has kind of a contact on the ground there, played by Soha Ali Khan, who... Happens to be Saifeli Khan's sister. Uh, And she kind of helps her set up auditions. But she doesn't... doesn't It's a bunch of nerds. Yeah, she doesn't see anyone who she thinks really fits the roles. They can can
1: read the lines, but they don't have the fire.
0: One night, they go out to a popular hangout for the college students. And she meets kind of a group of rebels. Cool guys. (laughs) Cool guys. Led by Amir Khan, and she's really enamored with these guys, and also somewhat struck by how, like, oh, they're more Western than I thought. Like, they're out of touch with their Indian roots. Mm-hmm. And she casts them in her docudrama.
1: There's a fun scene where uh, Amir Khan is talking about how hot she is, how <laughs> she's going to sleep with them all Amir Khan, stuff. by the
0: way, who is... 40, he's 40 right. at
1: this point, playing a 24-year-old. <laughs> uh-huh. And even his character is too old to be at school. Yes.
0: He that, has that, that is two, just, it's a bit like the the throwaway lines to Katrina Kaep's accent and everything. Yeah. Um, where instead they put a throwaway line to how he's too old to be at right. school. Yeah. yeah. He's so,
1: 25.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, yes. So lampshade how, how old the actor is.
1: But there's a fun scene where he's talking about how, how hot she is, etc. And he doesn't know that she speaks Hindi. Yeah. So she kind of turns the tables on him. Everyone laughs, you know. Fun time at the movies.
0: Yeah. So she uh, casts this group in her docudrama. She also. After some
1: cajoling, I mean, they're not entirely on board until she can convince them that, you know. Well, DJ, especially. Mm-hmm. Amr Khan's character. He's stuck at school. He hasn't got a job. He hasn't moved away. He doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. And maybe. You know, maybe acting in this movie will do something. Plus he wants Mm -hmm. to get with her. And he also wants to see the director.
0: He does want to get with her. Yeah. Um, And she's kind of changed by her experience of being around these guys. And these guys slowly start to become more invested and they start to empathize more with the revolutionaries that they're playing. They get
1: radicalized.
0: Exactly. So these revolutionaries are...
1: So Amir Khan, who is playing DJ, also plays Shandra Sekhar Azad, the Master of Disguise. Uh, Siddharth Narayans uh, playing Karan Singh Hanya in uh, the modern day he plays Bhagat Singh that's the rich kid I think right
0: yeah, yeah. His, his, Anip dad Anip his dad is
1: Anipin Kher yeah, yeah. Atul- and he's
0: probably the most recognizable revolutionary I, w- I would think yeah um, or the most known Bhagat Singh, at least to
1: yeah, us. he's kind of yeah. the f- most famous one uh, Atul Kukharani, uh plays Lakshman Pandey who is not one of the core group of four guys he's actually kind of like a student um political type who is a very hardcore uh hindu nationalist yeah who does not like that uh a white girl is making a movie about this and especially doesn't like that um uh kunal kapoor is there playing Ashwala khan he wants the hindu version of events and his boss essentially in the party kind of pushes him towards doing stuff but he gets convinced once um once they start working on this together so he plays rampasad uh Bismillah mm-hmm. in the movie. So yeah, Kanakapura as Ashfakula Khan. And then we have uh, Sonia. So Soha Ali Khan plays Sonia slash Durga Devi. And Sharma Joshi plays Suki Rang slash Shivarang Rajguru. Uh, Sharma Joshi, don't get that guy. Uh, he's just kind of a weirdo. <laughs> I would say that he is not one of the cool guys.
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting because the group, to a certain extent, does reflect a microcosm of mm-hmm. India. So you have... You know, you have a Muslim guy, you have a Hindu nationalist, you have a Sikh guy, played by Amir Khan, you have a woman, and then you have Sharman Joshi.
1: Sharman Joshi <laughs> as a guy.
0: Yeah. Oh, and, and, and obviously you have um, um, Siddharth Narayan, who... Uh,
1: is a rich guy. Rich guy. Yeah
0: he's, yeah, he's part of the upper class. A
1: rich son of privilege. I mean, that's half of every Bollywood protagonist. Yeah. So. But
0: again, it, it feels like a small microcosm. So... As they get kind of more invested in their roles, um, their friend, Armadavan, who is in the Indian Air Force. Unfortunately, tragically, dies in a Mig twenty one accident, and this kind of after heroically
1: saving a village from not blowing up. Yeah, he he crashes his plane into a hill and saves everybody's life.
0: And this kind of um, brings out the revolutionary spirit in them, and they start to protest, and then start to take violent action. A
1: protest token is placed in Delhi, <laughs> and the activists start uh, activating.
0: Uh, yeah, and so they start to like. Their pro their nonviolent protest quickly turns into a kind of a violent protest.
1: They switch from they they are infiltrated <laughs> by revolutionaries to use the um, you know parlance of the game. Yeah. They switch from being I don't even know where they would fit in the in, in the teams, but they do end up becoming hardcore revolutionaries. Yeah.
0: And so the film does kind of flash back to kind of some like docudrama-esque scenes where you see our present-day cast of actors kind of like. As the revolutionaries, but for the most part, it's set in the present day and about mm. how the past moves these guys to take action in the present against injustice. Um, with kind of really tragic and and kind of upsetting... Yeah. They, get,
1: they get violent quickly, too, because yeah. they, they assassinate, like, a minister yeah. and yeah. they take hostages. Well, they don't take hostages. They take the airwaves hostage. Yeah. But, like, they escalate.
0: Yeah. So Tori, considering that before this you'd only really seen Gunde, which is a much sillier uh, Bollywood film, it certainly has more of that masala, which is that kind of like mixture of comedy, comedy tragedy, drama, genre. action. Uh, this, this is a very different kind of film.
2: Yes. Yeah. I... I... I was pretty shocked, actually, where things ended up. I, I came in with no context. I came in with no understanding. I knew that this was going to... I had the the kind of the pitch I had um, from the two of you, basically. It was about a group meat And Rashmeet. Of, and Rashmeet. Uh, what's up? Let me know when you've heard this as well, Rashmeet. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I had the pitch of basically it is a group of um, modern people learning mm. about their past through the creation of this documentary and and that's kind of documentary uh docudrama whatever um and that's as they far as i right got docu- they, they do and
1: it's Let's say documentary yeah it. <laughs> and it's
2: also not clear about whether or not you're seeing like what you're seeing of the past is, is that, that the movie or real life <laughs> is that the movie or yeah. real life because yeah. if it's her movie for having no budget it's very well shot and yeah. produced like there's Costumes, horses there's guns
1: yeah, yeah it's, it's quite elaborate she loses I was all of thinking, her
0: funding before she gets to yeah, India.
1: Yeah. My um, guess is that is what really happens. Yes. Yeah. I don't think yeah. she shoots minute one of this movie, basically. <laughs> I think yeah. that they, they rehearse a lot. Yes. And then they become radicalized themselves. I don't think she actually shoots much of it at all. Mm-hmm. It actually tears yeah. up her notes halfway through.
2: They had like a costume thing where they all put on wigs and yep. had mustaches and shaved their various facial hair and and uh, but yeah. So um, I was it was a little shocking in terms of the turn of events as to where we ended up because for the first hour it's kind of like a fun hangout movie. Yeah. Like it was like a uh, you know just like a bunch of modern attractive people doing modern attractive things and going on a nice trip and and uh, it's it, you know when when we get the. The nonviolent protest that turns violent it it, it, it's quite a turn of events and and uh but i i I certainly uh enjoyed the the experience of watching it i I, you know i I was telling you two after we watched it that you know coming in with no context i had very little sense of the historical events i have very little sense of the current political climate and that is a big part of it um i have bits and pieces that i've picked up from youtube and from um you know existing on the internet and and uh, you know being at least a little curious about the world i have bits and pieces but um certainly does not hold hold uh your hand if you're not familiar with these events whatsoever
0: no which is interesting because this film had a larger marketing budget internationally like yeah. outside of india than most films they
1: Was this this is fairly early on in uncle amir in china though cuz like oh, it must he's very very popular in china but
0: they were tra- they were trying to get uk and, and the yeah. us not china
1: and also you know i would maybe see the chinese government not particularly enjoying a movie about revolutionaries <laughs> yeah. being up against a tyrannical government
0: and this is obviously kind of in You know, kind of not that far off from Amir Khan's uh, Lagan getting nominated for the Oscars. So you can kind of see, you can can see see their aspirations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's interesting to me because I found the film actually somewhat critical of the BJP, Mm -hmm. uh, which is now the ruling party in India. And I was recently reading this book that just came out, New Kings of the World Dispatches from Bollywood, Disney, and K-pop by Fatima Bhutto. And um, she's she's pretty critical of how uh, Bollywood has gotten in bed with, with Modi. And They're hanging out with that guy all the time. Yeah, and supporting the BJP. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Anupam Kher is a big supporter of the BJP, and, and he is in this film. And I found it's not a huge part of this film, but they are somewhat critical of the the Hindu nationalist Movement.
1: Well, they basically insinuate that it's uh, hypocritical all the way yeah. down.
0: Exactly. And yeah. so it's interesting to watch this film.
1: And Lakshman Pandey's, you know, he becomes disillusioned with his bosses in the party. And that's why he decides to rebel. Not out of, you know, pan-Indian sympathy. Although no. it kind of shows up a bit later. He's He becomes buddies with uh, the Muslim guy later. Yeah. But at the beginning, it's just like, those, those guys at the party screwed me
0: over. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting watching this film, you know, today... And and mm-hmm. kind of knowing the the difference in in <laughs> in politics over the past thirteen years, obviously from our uninformed point of view in Canada, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like this was my impression of those things. I'm not trying to say that that is 100 percent accurate, or maybe people have another reading on it. But that's that's what I took out of it, and so that really that really surprised me because again, this this film was arguing for. It's, rebellion. It's it's arguing for rebellion, but it's also arguing for unity. Uh-huh. Uh, there were some criticisms that the overall message of the film felt muddled, especially when it gets to the climax. And I do kind of I I see that because on one hand, on one hand, it is arguing that you know we need, that these that these different people need to come together and acknowledge their history and their past and the importance of that and be moved by it. But on the other hand, these people that that do that are moved to some to 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 terrorist action mm-hmm. to, to to assassinate very yeah mm-hmm. very quickly to assassinate a minister to to kill their own father uh, and then there's there's no way out I guess there was a version of the script where they ended up on the run um, but then they realized that that was not that wasn't realistic. And like, that's also ends, not what
1: happened to their forebears in the revolutionary movie, right?
0: Exactly. And so Bhagat Singh had a last, last stand so they were like okay no we need to have a last stand. Interestingly in an all India radio station um, which anytime all India radio comes up in a film Dil say. Uh yeah, it comes up a lot in Dil say. I always feel kind of like I associate with the CBC.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> uh, and so like that always, that connection as like as kind of the idea of radio as like a nationalist, um, a, a, as something that brings people around a very large nation together always resonates with me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I agree that the, the plot because it becomes a little bit contrived, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember the first time I watched this, I had no idea who Armada Van Was or why I should care. <laughs> And watching it the second time, I just thought, like, man, there's so much on. He of
0: loves him. Alberta, Matt.
1: I know he loves Alberta. He's been in Edmonton. He spent
0: a year in yeah. where mm, I forget. I forget. It starts with an L.
1: Lacombe. Lacombe. Yeah. Like, there's a lot. <laughs> I'm pretty of the, sure it's Lacombe. There's a lot of that guy, and it's completely <laughs> manipulative because, we, like, we have to feel sad that he dies. Yeah. But the reason why our heroes in the main in the modern day timeline become revolutionaries is kind of, like, a weird reason to get that angry. Like, their friend that they're, they're sad that their friend died, they're sad for his mother, they're sad for his fiancée, but, like, I felt that that reason why they started doing nonviolent protests and then later on violent protests was it should have been something else or it should be standing in for something else because, you know, mix having mechanical difficulties and pilots dying is such an arcane and bizarre reason for all this stuff to happen,
0: but it has sure a, a real impact. I'm on, sure it's a
1: huge thing in yeah, in you know Indian history at that period. But like, it it just doesn't seem to have the same gravitas as liberating the country from the raj. It's Fair it's enough. hard to look at both periods and think like these are equivalent. Yeah, and it makes you think these guys are overreacting. They're going straight to violent yeah. you know assassination.
0: But they're empowered by the the connection <laughs> that they formed with these revolutionaries. I know
1: it's. It's strange because I think what it does is show you the power of radicalization. Yeah, you could see how young men these days can get convinced to do violent things. This is before the internet, really. Like yeah. that—that's not anything that comes up in here. But like the way that people can be shifted and changed, and you know, in this sense, they're they're working towards a good end, kind of. But what we've seen normally is that ra- radicalization goes badly and goes towards antisocial ends. And they're radicalized by a white English woman. Yeah. Effectively. Yeah. It's
2: Which is very interesting. It, it, it's an odd thing to see, especially, uh, you know, if I was, if this similar movie was being made in a Western, from a Western perspective, that would be a trope that I would very much expect to see, that, mm. you know, we have yeah. this English woman going and, Making a movie about
1: Louis Riel and then a bunch of <laughs> and then a bunch of Métis uh, kids go and totally. assassinate Justin Trudeau or totally. something like <laughs> that would be cultural appropriation. Exactly. So it was yeah. it was strange
2: seeing it from the other side and still having that trope intact. And and I didn't I don't have enough context to know what to think about that. And I don't have enough of a sense to to say anything significant other than that's weird.
0: It it is strange because I think one of the things that we like about Indian cinema is that white people can often be the bad guy, yeah. and they can be or presented not negatively, or they're just not around. Yeah. Um, but you know, like when you when you think about like something like Lagan, where the Raj is also there pretty prominently, and that
1: main lieutenant guy, he's amazing. He's, he's a fantastic he, villain.
0: He's the worst, though. You know, there is a British white woman who helps... Teaches
1: them how to play cricket. Helps and then, them
0: play cricket. Yeah, yeah so... Yeah.
1: That's something that happens in Amir Khan movies I feel like it has to be a woman. <laughs> and also in Thugs of Hindustan, uh, there's no white woman in that one, but that had the Raj uh, guys all speaking Hindi to each other. So, movies where Amir Khan goes up against the Raj often have confused racial politics.
0: <laughs> they do. Although, like, in the... In thugs of Hindustan's kind of like credit, how many movies have we seen where they go to other countries and for some other reason they're all speaking English like yeah. in Hollywood movies? They do that true. all the time. I'll never forget that what was it like Seven Days in Entebbe film yeah. where like. The French guys can speak French, and the German guys can speak German, um, but the Arabic guys and the Israeli guys are all speaking English. Yeah, <laughs> and there's with no, no English
1: people around. <laughs> yeah,
0: with no English people just, around. Just you know, no just reason. among friends,
1: just popping up. But some we're English. willing
0: to subtitle the German and the French, but not not the Israeli or the. Yeah, <laughs> the that's got to
1: be like a marketing thing. Like, well, oh, this movie's not going to play too well in yeah. Israel. So you know, just speaking. So I
0: don't get super annoyed by seeing like. In hot of Hindustan, the British Raj speaking in Hindi. It was guy. just weird. It yes. doesn't make sense, but I'm like, I've yeah. seen worse things than Hollywood
1: movies. But I think there's too much R. Manovan in this movie. Basically. Oh. Yeah.
0: Alberta's boy. Yeah. yeah.
1: Sorry, R. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Maddie. People call him Maddie.
1: <laughs> right. Sorry, Maddie. I mean, he's a like, very nice guy. You. He could have had just like one big scene and we would like him, but you don't need to check in with him like five times. Oh, yeah, a lot.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, but also. It's important to establish the relationship between him and Soha Ali Khan because yes. you know they get in, they get engaged, and her. I think her grief over losing him is one of the things that also moves yeah. the other and men the mother. and 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 yeah, and her her his mom. There's also a,
1: there's also a good parallel between him and Siddharth Narayan's character because mm-hmm. Siddharth Narayan starts wearing a leather jacket. He wants that uh, Air Force jacket and they also have some conversations about what is it, what does it mean to die for your country. Madavan is 100% down like down to die. Yep. He's like to- I joined the army, I'm ready to go to defend us. You you college kids sitting on your asses, you know, you're not doing shit for our country. So that is also inspiration to them, but like there's also them going to a fort for a while and like picking flowers and that kind of shit.
0: Do you know he could potentially read Siddharth Narayan in The Microcosm as? Who? An NRI
1: oh Okay. He's,
0: yeah, he's not quite, but he's um, rich. his father Anupam Kher is like you know you need to pick a college overseas, like trying to yeah. send him away, and and this and this experience like pulls him back to India. Sure. So he kind of has that like not quite. I mean, he's not a Shahra Khan and DDLJ or anything. Um,
1: he's like um, the girl in Delhi Crime though, who confronts the horrors of her home country. And exactly that she wants to stay in India.
0: Yeah, just like yeah. It's just like the daughter in Delhi Crime, who wants to go to Toronto? Yeah, yeah.
1: Toronto sucks. You're right. <laughs> Stay home. Uh,
0: I I do like this film though. Like it's it's a strange strange movie that I feel like in its messaging wants to have its cake and eat its too yeah. because it wants to be about the power of unity and coming together. Um, but it also, you know, it it it's like. It's almost kind of like a hays code Hollywood thing. Like we can show these people rebelling, but they have to be punished, right?
1: And they have to rebel against something that is not the actual problem. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but I do, I do I do like it. I find it I find it quite moving. I find. Um, that the songs are really really great I mean obviously they're written by A.R. Rahman. yeah Um, yeah. the cinematography is beautiful yes I wanted to
1: talk about the cinematography it reminded me of uh Chungking Express and other uh Hong Kong films oh wow because it's got that kind of
0: I mean Wong Kar Wai has some of the best cinematographers in the world working for him yeah
1: I think it's that kind of smeary nighttime photography Mm. that you get when they're driving around in their jeep Mm -hmm. and getting drunk and partying and having a good time um it replicates that sort of youthful nighttime feeling, well, yeah. but then it also does sepia-toned, you know, olden-timey stuff, and I think that is Gimmicky? a little bit overboard. Yes, yeah, you could have. I mean, I get it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I don't know if you need that. I will say, like the
2: the the first hour, hour and a half the hangout movie portion or the hangout portion is really fun. Like yeah. they, they're fun people to watch and their interactions are entertaining. And, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's nice watching people get to know each other. Mm-hmm. And that is a, a really uh, entertaining portion of this. And, and then they all died. And then they all died at the end. Um, which but there's
0: great chemistry th- there between is. the actors. Yeah. There's yeah. great
2: chemistry. And, and you know, you, 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 you know see these people grow together as well and i think that that's um it's fun to watch and and it it, it does make it quite shocking when
1: mm-hmm. uh it takes such a, a a dramatic shift in tone had they lived they would have gone on to become the guys from zindigina maligitabara yeah
0: maybe yeah um, I think you do care about them. Yeah. Everyone right.
1: except for Sharma Joshi.
0: <laughs> Why do you have a good Sharma Joshi? I will point out that he was wearing like a belt chain. He was. And you... You were ha-
1: talking so <laughs> much shit about how good belt chains are.
0: <laughs> you and really... what did they get yeah, him, really? You recently <laughs> like, were like, oh, you have a belt chain. And I was like... Cool. So then I was really happy to see Sharman Joshi have one in the movie.
1: I mean, a chain wallet, functional. No one's gonna steal your wallet. And if they do, they have to steal your whole. He pants.
0: has like multiple <laughs> things going on at once, though. I I yeah. say you only need one. He's
1: accessorizing far too much. Yeah. 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 That's your main complaint with the movie.
0: <laughs> no, I'm I'm saying I like the fact that you know Sharman Joshi's belt chain. He's you know. He's really putting. It's a good fashion statement, is all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Um, but I think, like, I think the film really does. It does a good job of building um, the emotional story. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, you do, you do care about these guys. You care about the friendship that they form and the connection. I think you care about um, Soa Halikan's grief. And and so, and I,
1: who care is present for two scenes.
0: <laughs> yeah, he and O. Ol- Om Puri and even Kieran Care, uh, who notably does not share a scene with her husband and I'm yeah. Care, um, they all feel like glorified cameos. Wahid mm. Raman has like a bit more impact on the plot, um, but they still bring a lot of gravitas in the fact that like they're there mm-hmm. and they are kind of like the older figures for these young guys. Um, yeah, I just I think like despite maybe kind of finding the the messaging of the film a bit confused. And and again, this like this kind of white savior issue. Yeah, like, totally. This is. this white woman is really the one that brings this out in them, and 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 kind of what does that mean? Um, obviously, within the microcosm, she's kind of like representing the British Raj. But I don't know. It's so I'm, not, I'm not I'm not entirely yeah. sure how to read that either. Well, I was thinking
1: about cultural appropriation for this because, like Tori was alluding to, had we made this in Canada, it would be yeah. a white filmmaker inspires yeah. Métis um, yeah. people to do. You know, a movie by Louis Riel and then go on to restart the Red River Resistance. And, and people would have issues with that. People would definitely have yeah. issues with this. And she would be played by Sandra Bullock. She would be played by Sandra Bullock. <laughs> I mean, well, like, white people were present. They were the Raj. Yeah. And I don't know if this is trying to... I don't know if her coming back and reliving her grandfather's mistakes and trying to atone for them... It's very odd. Because I don't know if a movie, had she been able to pull off this movie, I don't know if it would have helped.
0: Yeah. But ultimately, I think, like, the the film is strong enough that it overcomes all these issues. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. And it's strong enough, even without any of the context, that the majority of the audience would have. Like, I, I still enjoyed the experience and was invested in these people having no sense of... The, all of the kind of cultural weight that was weighing on, on this situation.
1: Yeah, I, I guess going back to the board game, we should mention that a lot of the events in the movie in the past actually are represented in the board game. Yeah. The Cory train robbery, which again is not really gone into any detail, but if you want to know what it was, you could play the game.
0: <laughs> or you can read the playbook and read the section that mentions yes. what that card is about.
1: It's true. But like uh, Bhagat Singh, uh, Bismil shows up, the, um, the bombing that uh, Bhagat Singh does, mm-hmm. the assassination of what they thought was supposed to be the police commissioner, but it actually was just a police officer. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually know that until I looked it up in the game. Mm-hmm. That guy that they shot on the uh, on the motorcycle, they hit the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. And um, all that sort of stuff, to see it depicted on film makes enriches the experience of the game because mm-hmm. you kind of get a bit more of what was happening and the stakes because it's one thing to say, you know, Um, hunger strike do such and such with with these pieces but to see them force feeding guys in jail in the movie it resounds off of each other Mm -hmm. Um, I mean we've also seen a movie Filari that talks about the uh, Mm -hmm. massacre that uh, kind of inspired a lot of the revolutionaries to start going Mm -hmm. so it it just adds to a rich conversation that I've been having learning about Indian culture so thank you game and movie
0: I just want to make a quick note about um Rakesh on um, Prakash Mehra um, who I think I find a very interesting filmmaker because he does he does this thing of kind of trying to provide bridges between the past and present and so and so you see that in Bad Milka Bagh where Milka Singh um, kind of reflects on um, wh- what is bringing him to these games in in Pakistan and that kind of the emotional weight of returning to Pakistan and, and the film flashes back to just kind of the horrors of Partition and what he experienced at at different intervals. And then you see kind of like a similar but more abstract thing in Mirzia, which is a lot less successful. Um, well,
1: because it's not playing with actual history. It's, it's, it's like, playing
0: with legend. It's playing yeah. with myth where yeah. you have um, lovers in the present day kind of replicating this myth. And then you like show them in different timelines and so it also
1: had Harsh Kapoor in it which like downgrades it at least a, a letter. Grade. Oh
0: come Harsh Kapoor's not that bad.
1: He he's just not present. He's not like
0: Yeah. A, he's he, good in Joshi. He, yeah he's just in
1: we'll that see? in that movie he's so blank.
0: Yeah. He has a great haircut though. It, it's just interesting now kind of, you know, um kind of piecing together this trend in his filmography. It's just like he is interested I think in how stories echo. Mm-hmm. Across time.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Two of which were real. <laughs> one of which is a made-up thing that he did. But he's also interested in impressionist um, sort of looks at the past. Yes. Especially in Mirziad, it's kind of got this slow-mo, hyper-colored look at this imagined past that is replicated in Milka Singh's, like, child remembrances. Like, I remember that being, like, super vibrant and terrifying, the yeah. partition stuff. And then this, you have... Sort of the sepia tone thing.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So I think we all liked it, but just kind of have. There's, some there's, reservations. A, there's a lot to discuss, which makes sense as to why our listeners were asking us to discuss it about this film, because it is very discussable. I mean,
1: I wouldn't recommend this to be anyone's first Bollywood movie, and I wouldn't recommend this to be anyone's first Bollywood <laughs> bo- Indian board game. Any board game. Luckily, this was
2: my second Bollywood
1: movie, yeah. so... Tori was 100% prepared, <laughs> having watched one movie that uh, took place in a completely different <laughs> place in India, and... Um, was not based on historical events. It was based on historical events, sort of. Yeah,
2: and six years ago. That's the good distance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You had enough time to marinate on it. Absolutely.
0: So, Tori, to wrap things up, you wanted to provide some uh, suggestions, some recommendations for people who potentially want to get into hobby uh, board gaming. Yeah, Because obviously people do not need suggestions or recommendations to get into Bollywood. We have over 100 episodes about that.
1: Yeah, once you've listened to all 100 episodes (laughs) uh, and you've gotten to this point, you do need some recommendations on what board game play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, if, if the, the
2: system sounds interesting to you, if this coin system sounds interesting to you, um, my recommendation, and it's, it's still, it, I would never say start with this as your first board game, um, but if you've kind of played with maybe some Euro games, if you've played Catan, if you've played Ticket to Ride, you're starting to work your way up through maybe some more complex games. Um, there's a game called Root. Uh, that came out uh, I think two years ago um, it was originally a Kickstarter game which is how a lot of games are being released these days uh, and it takes this coin system simplifies it a little bit and abstracts it and uh, basically kind of has a, a similar conflict uh, to what is often being depicted in these games but in a fictional woodland setting so think Redwall, um, and so the, the, the dominating faction is uh, cats there the Marquis de Cat, and they kind of run the board. There's um, a faction that's the insurgent faction. They are a woodland alliance of creatures that are kind of fighting against the cat. Um, there is the uh, bird faction that has kind of a very cool programming game um, where they have to basically do a set of actions every turn and then add another action to that stack. And if they can't, um, basically they're they're kind of they topple and they have to start from this from the beginning. And then they have a uh, the last faction in the base game is. Um, Basically a Gandhi esque, not in any respect other than it is one the vagabond, the vagabond who's yeah. kind of wandering around the around the board having. He's very zatoichi Yes, he is. So and that the the vagabond is is um, a raccoon, but it, it can be a different couple different uh, uh, kind of woodland creatures. So that's a really um, a, a really good way to start with the coin system um, if you've kind of already gotten into games a bit. And then the first game, coin game that I would personally recommend, having not played every single one of them, but I, I think that this is. Awesome Often agreed upon is um, that Cuba brace. So that one is a really um, solid game uh, for the the coin system. And I, you know, I also wanted to mention because uh, obviously Gandhi, uh, the decolonization of British India, is created by uh, a Western company, and and the public or the um, the designers uh, are are not. Indian, they are not from India. Um, I did want to mention a couple games as well. So um, one that I'm I'm looking forward to, it hasn't been uh, released or fulfilled yet, but is called Shasan, and it's being uh, it it is designed by um, Indian designers and uh, publishers. So really excited about that. Uh, And then another one that I wanted to mention, which I haven't played, but I wanted to give it a little bit of a shout out as well. It's um, designed by a a woman based out of New York, but she's original originally from Pakistan. Uh, Her name is Nashra. Balagamwala, uh, and the game is called Arranged, the Arranged Marriage board game. So,
0: I want to play this. this yeah, is, it looks good. I've and it looks super cute it. and colorful. Totally.
2: Yeah. I've just
1: never seen it around in a store or anything, mm-hmm. but what, what's it about?
2: So it, it it does kind of take on this, this topic of arranged marriages and uh, isn't... Um, uh, is, is uh, let me read the, the thing here. So um, the description is uh, the culture of arranged marriages is still very prevalent in South Asian societies. Many girls are forced or emotionally blackmailed into marrying someone their family chooses for them. Um, so it's certainly not necessarily a light. Uh, game it is meant to kind of address this um, the the three female protagonists um, and one Rishta auntie um, so uh, again haven't played this wanted to give it a little shout out because um, obviously it's a different perspective uh, and I would be curious to to see if Gandhi would change if it was made by people from uh, from India who have um, a, a direct connection to the situation. Uh, and then just a quick little shout out because all of these games that for the most part we've talked about have been really quite deep and really quite intense, certainly not not places to start. Um, I do want to mention uh, Pandemic as a really good game if you're thinking you might want to get into board games. Um, It is a cooperative game where you're trying to deal with uh, virus outbreaks across the world. Really fun. I think it's a lot of people's um, kind of one of their early forays into hobby board gaming as well. There's a million expansions and a million varieties of it, too. So if you like it and you want to keep going, there's certainly a way to do that. So um, a little plug for Pandemic
1: too. It also reflects the um, something you find in Gandhi is that there are multiple situations happening all over the board and you need to react to them, especially if you're the Raj. Yeah. And it kind of teaches you how to triage situations. And in Gandhi, there's certain events and actions that will aid other players while you're going. And, you know, a certain amount of cooperation is not too bad in the early game. It's later on the in Gandhi where people will start no, backstabbing each other. I,
0: I thought about Pandemic when we were playing it. I think that connection makes sense. One is far simpler than the other, but like as a progression...
2: It has a lot of cubes on the board. board Absolutely.
0: Uh, Tori, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. We really appreciate you testing this game with us and and bringing your, your interest in board games, but also your interest in movies and your knowledge of cinema. to to this episode. Thank you so much.
2: It's been my pleasure and I'm sorry for everyone who was excited about hearing uh, insights into this movie that's been asked for for (laughs) literally years that you got me uh, commenting (laughs) on it. So uh, you're welcome for
1: that, everyone. (laughs) You provided a fresh new perspective. (laughs) Hey, don't
0: sell yourself short. (laughs) Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. What are we going to do next time, Matt?
1: We're going to be speaking to a friend of ours from the video game industry about some... Hindi movies with uh, video game elements.
0: Yes, so we're going to be talking about Raw 1 and the recent Game Over. Yeah. In the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show?
1: Well, you can find us on Facebook. Just uh, search for Bollywoods for Lovers there. We're also on Twitter at BollywoodPod. I'm at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S there, too.
0: I'm at Erin e. Fraser, E-R-I-N-E, F-R-A-S-E-R. If you're a fan of the show, please consider leaving us a star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We do read our reviews out on air, and it has been a while since we had one. Uh, we really love the five-star ones the most.
1: Yeah, you get the most uh, biffle points that way.
0: Uh, and while you're over there on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe to my other show that I do with Paul Matmachuk called Trash Art and the Movies. We just did an episode about Pam Greer, mm-hmm. one of my favorite sexy sc- screen sirens. Uh, we also want to say a big thank you to Becca Donkey for our artwork. Uh, you can also check out our Tumblr.
1: Yeah. Anything else? There's all kinds of places to enjoy our all content. All
0: kinds.
1: Yeah. So we'll see you in two weeks. Keep on gaming.